Hi, this is Repatterning. I'm Tom. And I'm Kata. In today's interview, we're talking to Joy Mariama Smith. Joy is a native Philadelphian currently based in Amsterdam, Netherlands, whose work is rooted in socially engaged art practice. Joy is a performance, installation and movement artist and also an activist, facilitator, curator and architectural designer with a 20-year practice of improvisation. In this interview, we will be talking about puzzles and repetition, teaching and shame, noise and color and flavors of racism. But we'll be beginning a little bit in the middle of things. Uh, before the tape started rolling for the interview, we had been talking with Joy about the power of layering a single word out loud. And that's where we'll be starting off. So, hi Joy. Hi. Hi, welcome. Thanks. So, um... Well, you were just talking before about your uh, experiments with repeating a word. <laughs> tell us all about it. <laughs> um, I can tell you all about it. Cool. Um, before I talk about puzzles, because that's super urgent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> so it was inspired by your the work that you're doing, or not not just one work, but most of the work you all do with... With weird sounds. Can I curse on this thing? Because I am American, so <laughs> I, I won't even notice. Um, yeah, but most recently, <laughs> most recently, thank you. Um, experiencing this uh, minute year in Amsterdam, because that's where I live, led me to some sort of weird rabbit hole around uh, frequency and resonance and echo and... Um, reverb and stuff that I don't really understand, but also like if I could manipulate something um, by putting effects instead of, and the something is a word, um, instead of changing the word, like when you say the same word over and over again, how it starts to sound weird. Mm. That's one thing. But if you also repeat the same word over and over again and sort of relax into it, the word will just change itself. Um, at, or at least for me, in my mind. I mean, you can try this at home. <laughs> uh, so I decided to, like, record myself saying a word and then, like, just fuck with it. Um, starting with um, putting a delay and an echo so that it starts to, to shift um, and that there's a percentage of degradation to the echo as well. So I help it a bit to change. Anyway, I spent several hours doing that and it was weird. And then at the end, I felt uh, slightly different than I felt than when I started. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, what is this word? <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you what the word is, but... Uh, maybe, maybe it'll exist somewhere on the internet at some point when I finish testing. Mm -hmm. I forgot actually, Kata, you said, I was like, oh, that's another idea to try and do it again. Do you remember? To give it to people and see what they yeah, hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to start, cause it became super abstract. So I know what the word is. And if I like leave it alone for a week and then start 
at the end. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah, because you have the whole progress yeah. in the recording. It starts yeah. with, like, the word. Mm. Right. It can be like that... Uh, like the transcendental meditation people that all have their own secret mantra that they're yes. not allowed to tell people. <laughs> yeah, I really want to know David Lynch's word. <laughs> what is it? Um, but I, somehow I feel like that's related to repatterning. Mm. Um, one, because I was like working in a medium that I don't work in. I'm really into like misusing tools or definitely using tools that I don't know how to use mm. the wrong way. Because usually something interesting happens. And I failed. Like, I didn't accomplish what I was trying to do. It doesn't sound like what I thought it was going to sound. It's just two weird things that exist. And mm. maybe they'll turn to something else. Um, but it definitely did something to my brain. Um, or brain mind. And it was a creative moment. So mm. that was inspired by you. Thank Um... I see you're sneaking some Dutch in already. I, I mean, yeah, I'm going to sneak more in. Yeah. Um, after I did this, I watched um, a TV show uh, called Only Murders in the Building. Have you heard about this? Nope. No. Do y'all watch TV? Mm, no. Not much. Okay. You don't need to watch it. <laughs> I'm only watching it because I'm obsessed with Steve Martin. Uh -huh. Um, it's written, it's like produced, it's Steve Martin and Martin Short, these two like American, um, pretty legacy comedians. Yes, they are like old white dudes, but like Steve Martin is really funny, um, and is excellent at playing the banjo, which is an Afro-Caribbean, um, instrument for y'all that don't know. Anyway, I was, I'm like guilty pleasure watching this show, uh, which is about, um, amateur podcasters solving mysteries in their fancy New York apartment building. And one of the main characters uh, has been doing puzzles since she was a child. Um, and that's how she's able to sort of solve crimes because her dad, when she was like three or four, was like, let's do a puzzle. Like every Sunday, let's do a puzzle. Okay, let's do it. Um, with all the pieces turned upside down so you can't see the picture. Like, first, wow. it's like, let's do it off box. Then let's turn it upside down. Mm. Let's do it um, upside down in the dark so you can only feel the edges. Um. Like, I was like, what, 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 what? Um, I, as a person that does puzzles, and I don't know what my strategy for for doing puzzles is. Like, usually when you collaborate doing puzzles... You find that people have strategies. I don't know if you've done puzzles with other people. I have. The, I, I know of people's strategies. Or I what have, are I have they? Seen. What are they? <laughs> They're like well, shapes uh, and uh, colors. Find the corners. And, corners. Yeah, yeah. Corner sides. Mm -hmm. Those are things. Mm -hmm. But what if you don't do any of that? Like you just resist any of the, yeah. any of the strategies, and you just start from whatever. Or if some parental authority figure is telling you to do it in the dark. or Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also, I'm like, mm. but does that actually develop a, a special skill? I I don't know. I like um, pattern recognition. I think this is why I started doing puzzles as a child um, or like playing checkers where I can see. I also play wacky chess. Like I was taught chess and I play it like, 
the way that you're not supposed to I play I follow the rules but like in terms of my mind I'm not thinking the way that like when you right. look at a chess game like um my strategy is like do whatever Woo! confusion <laughs> um, whereas with checkers I'm like 15 moves ahead because I can like see the outcome and I think I'm interested in things that where I can see the outcome and do something different Oh, like you actually, you know what would be the right move if you wanted to like make a certain move and then in yeah. 15 steps, but that's not interesting enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're just a true improviser, I guess. <laughs> well, now we say it like that. It sounds like I'm an asshole. But, uh, yeah, I mean... It works with the power of uh, uh, unpredictability and surprise that people are just like, what, are, what is this? Yeah, what, they, what's get, going they on? get confused. I mean... <laughs> confusion yeah i like that place a lot of things happen for me mm. there like most of the time i don't know what i'm doing yeah i'm kidding for the listeners <laughs> <laughs> for those listeners who often are yeah. under the impression that <laughs> you know, know what they're doing and actually their maybe life depends on that to some extent <laughs> <laughs> yeah those listeners good. specifically well maybe that's uh a neat little slide into talking about teaching. Um, do you have any immediate thoughts about this? Or is it... Uh... Um, immediate thoughts about teaching. Yeah, I have the same strategy in teaching that I have in chess. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. Um, teaching. How I mean, did you come to teaching? Oh, man. Um... I needed a job, <laughs> like yeah, as an artist, <laughs> as an artist, there's air quotes happening. Uh, and I think for a really long time, I come from a really long legacy of teachers, um, like many generations from a matriarchal family and like everyone was an educator. And when mm -hmm. I came out of my first degree, my bachelor's, I was like, I don't have, I don't have that. Gene, like I, I fucking hate teaching. I, I tried, I tried different age groups, and I was like, I want to strangle these people. <laughs> Super frustrating. Um, and so I, I was just kind of like, I don't have it. I remember talking to my cousin. I was like, I don't have it. I don't have it. That's it's like so disappointing. Okay, mm -hmm. well I'll do something else. Like I have other skills. Like I don't need to teach not, it didn't need to be my passion mm -hmm. i was just like everybody else is doing it so like i should probably try and do it and so i pretty much walked away from it uh, but then it sort of landed in my lap after my third degree um i was like dicking around in the netherlands because they give you a year to like dick around uh where you don't need to do anything like it's really like a year for you to figure out if you're gonna stay there or not oh yeah the dick around yard yeah <laughs> yeah yeah precise <laughs> um so i was doing that and then somebody asked me to like do a a panel and then following that panel to teach like a little workshop and it was a very slow courtship but i was like I can't make a money. I can't make a living on my art. I also don't want to do that. I don't want to compromise my integrity because I need to eat. That's mm. not the type. I'm not interested in that type of making. 
So when I, after some years, got asked to teach, um, I was actually in an environment. I was like, oh, I'll try it. It was very low stakes. It was like one workshop for five days for like two hours a day. Mm. And I could pretty much do what I wanted. And so I did. I was like, my starting point is, what if I start from everything I didn't get when I was getting educated? If I didn't, if I felt unsupported or invisible or understimulated, demotivated, like, what would it look like if I, if I could have those things? Like, what would the the classroom look like? Mm. Uh, So I started there and I was kind of like, well, first of all, if they show up, like, that's it. Like, I don't it, I don't actually care what happens if they just show up, mm-hmm. you know, because for some people it's really hard to show up, like, period. So if you can get there, we can start to work on what we're going to do um, together. Uh, yeah, I also try to have fun because it's like, what the, what the fuck? It's not learning. For me, like, learning should be fun. And I also really like to learn, so... I'm entering a classroom with the desire to learn myself. I think Mm. that is my main um, drive. And then it turned out that, like, people didn't hate it. In terms of, like, content and subject matter, um, there's a lot of things kicking around in my head. Um, So I don't have a problem. I also do have a strong basis in improvisation so I can fly by the seat of my pants and everything can fall into place or I can totally fail and I can be transparent about that it's still we're still all learning together Mm. Um, but after that sort of moment I was like oh my god I just taught something and it was amazing and I loved it and then they asked me back and they were like we want to give you a contract to be in this position and then I got asked other places and I was like wait, maybe I can teach? Like, oops, I have a career. Yeah, like <laughs> accidentally. Um, and it's it's um, it's at this sort of university level of education. So, you know, most of the minds I'm working with are fully formed, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. which is a really big difference. Um, and I really like to, like, encourage those minds to work whatever type of mind it is so i also say like if you're if you're here and you need to sleep or you need to be on your phone or you need to draw or you know you need to cry like all that's fine like uh Mm. i'm not gonna shame you for any behavior um i think across many cultures because most of the environments i'm teaching in are um international English is not the first language. It might be the third or fifth. So I have to be like, listen, if we're going to move somewhere together, like we just have to like make a lot of space for a lot of different things. So let's start there. Um, And I remember last year I was teaching shame research, shame research lab, which I've been teaching, I think, for at least three years, maybe four Hmm. And it's, it's it doesn't sound exciting. It's like we're going to talk about shame. We're talking about shame and performance. So also, like I teach at a school for choreography, and I'm not a choreographer at all. So <laughs> trick ya. <laughs> um, I they're like, oh, you're a, a dancer. I'm like, no, <laughs> I just snuck in the back door. Um, so it's like scary, and it's actually pretty deep work to to work with this and. 
I don't know what y'all relationship to shame is. If you have a if you have a relationship, if you made friends with it, if you talk about it, but it turns out that it's present in most people's lives somehow, hmm. um, especially around whiteness. Um, and while the the diversity and demographics of my class has shifted over the years. It really is is um, interesting to see the difference between a class that's majority white and majority POC and how shame in performance hmm. plays itself out, which is pretty interesting. But in this particular uh, group, um, it's majority POC and um, people were like, people were fucked up. Like they uh, it's and it's like all day. It's like nine thirty to four thirty every day for a week. So it's like we are working, and I'm like, "Hello, we're gonna work. We're gonna like do some excavating, and um, we read stuff. We do stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we do, but um, people are like crying and and being in distress and feeling really bad. And yet they kept coming. Like, they were like, I feel so bad and I had a nervous breakdown, but I keep coming to class. Like, I've never experienced it before in however many years they've been at school. They're like, I, I actually don't understand why I keep coming, um, wow. but I'm coming and it's 930 in the morning and I'm showing up and I'm here until the end. And I'm like, do you want to talk about that? Or like, because you're doing the work and... Then I'm like, this is a, this content is like a slow drip. So like, if you go, if we go somewhere together, usually the things that people learn or understand happen like way later. Like mm. I've seen people be like, oh, that one thing, because a product of this workshop is they have to write a manifesto. Um, I'll see like a manifesto. They might turn it in late. Um, they usually turn it in late. But then two years later, it'll be like the beginning. They'll be like, it'll launch like some epic performance. And I'm kind of like, they'll be like, it was this one day in class where we did this one thing or we read like, um, we're reading uh, something on trans aesthetics and like dis, uh, dis- dissociative and trans aesthetics, which no one is. No one is commonly reading. If you're looking at like pedagogy and performance, no one is talking about. But I'm in an environment, also as a non-binary person, it's like, huh? we need to talk about this. Like it, it is, there is an aesthetic there, just like there's black aesthetics, there's queer aesthetics. And, and the space of like dissociation is a thing. I mean, there's people talking about this, like there's other people talking about it that aren't cis white men. And I'm like, let's talk about it. And then this unlocks, especially when you're dealing with shame where people are like, Oh, this, this feeling is valid. And I have an avenue to talk about it. I can also look at myself and say like, Oh, why am I doing this? And I don't need to be ashamed about it. I can actually work through it and be with all these other people that are working through other stuff. Mm. And then maybe some healing, but is it kind of like you're giving them a sort of a a chance to be vulnerable together or something like that? That is Yes. <laughs> I don't mean in a like a hippy dippy way, but you know, like uh Um I think yes. I mean, I'm definitely of the school of like 
like, what do you, if you're, what, how can you perform and not be vulnerable? Like, mm. that's my, it's like, what are you doing? I don't, I'm not interested in um, anything else. But I think that that's, uh, I would say, a, a long and twisty, turny, very entangled road to what you just said. Like, mm. yes, at the end of the day, for sure. But it's like, it's not. It's not easily boiled down. Like, that's not how they're yeah, experiencing yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, and I also try, like, everything I do in that class, I try myself. So I'm also like, I'm not just being like, drama, let's go through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're also allowing yourself to be vulnerable, I guess, yeah. yes, which is, uh, which probably gives the power to also them feeling comfortable with. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Um, another weird moment uh, that I, that like sometimes people come up to me and talk to me for no reason. This has been happening lately. And I'm like, what? It makes me feel really weird. Mm. Um, the last time this happened was the most recent graduating class. I, part of my job is on the board, the laudation board, which is like a board. Do y'all know this word laudation? I'm not sure. No. It's like, old English, like nobody uses it. But in the Netherlands, it's a board where it comes from to loud. Like if someone graduates come loud, it, it it's actually means praise. So there's a whole board in the university that like we sit down all together and we have to contractually praise people for their work over the course of four years. Uh-huh. This is this word. Um, so we can, the school's super small, so there's only like Ten, nine, ten students. It's not that hard. The board is usually six or seven. So each person writes one. And I wrote one. Uh, and we meet all together and we read them out loud to the student. So I would be like, Kata, over the past four, I remember when you auditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would gaze lovingly at you and, and you just sit there and there's champagne in the background. Uh, and I, I, I read, I, I remember writing the thing and I, I hate writing. I hate it. But I wrote this thing and I cried while I wrote it. And I was like, okay. Well, I, like, that's probably, I'm probably just whatever. Who knows why you cry when you write things? But I was like, <laughs> meh. Um, and I read it and I cried when I read it. Like, I f- was bawling. It was like, meh. I had to like stop, but I like couldn't stop because I was reading. So, I, you know, I, I enjoy reading things out loud and I'm good at it. So I just like cried, like sobbing as I read this thing and the whole room cried. Like I was like, what is happening? The student cried and their look, because, you know, they're artists, their look that day was the day before when we drive around on a boat they had like a mermaid look like very sparkly blue green and this day was grief like they were all wearing black and veils and like runny eye makeup like this was an aesthetic choice on top of that the whole room was crying (laughs) (laughs) and i was like what's happening and then i just stopped and then i i also like spoke in italian because the student was italian so i looked i'm really into etymology of words so i like wrote a bunch of it in Italian. Actually, it's related to the first thing we started talking about, this word. I took the student's name and I morphed it into voice. 
by, by making a series of rhymes in Italian with, of words I didn't know. So I just like tried to remember Italian words and then use the internet. Um, I, and I, I still have the writing and I'm like, yeah, I fucking, I don't know where that came from. I like, I don't know where, I don't know how I thought. I really think I was like somewhere else when I wrote this. Hmm. Uh, I couldn't describe the process of writing. Um, and I have it. And every time I read it, I'm kind of like, it's unbelievable that I wrote this and it exists <sighs> and the student has it and it made people cry and it was weird. That's that's my yeah. uh, thing on vulnerability. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I, I, I for sure can relate to the sort of public vulnerability being, I don't know, somehow like culturally not acceptable or shameful mm -hmm. or, you know, especially in like a professional environment, maybe you'd expect it to compose yourself to like, I don't know, hold it together to yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I also started to experience in, you know, like artist uh, environment and uh, like dance movement, improvisation workshops, when somebody is, does become vulnerable in public, people sort of thanking them for that sort of kind of, uh, I see it as a reassurance, you know, that mm. it is not shameful, it is appreciated, we all should be able to be more vulnerable, and it's fine, mm. and it's fine to feel your feelings and show your feelings even if it's a bunch of random people around yeah. you that you don't know and it's still fine and it's yeah it's really i didn't notice i know that i noticed this i don't know how many years ago for the first time and i kind of also started to practice it myself yeah. because i realized that it is also empowering to hear when you know when you get vulnerable in public and people see you and acknowledge it And also that they don't start to feel weird because I yeah, think that's yeah, the yeah, other yeah. thing about it. You get vulnerable and then people are, you know, feeling weird, like, yeah. oh shit, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> do I, what should I do with this person? You know, and then suddenly we don't know what to do with a person who's <laughs> also maybe not, not, even, not even necessarily upset, no? Because yeah. of course it could also be that you get upset and you also actually need something. But it also could just be that whatever, the thing that's coming out of you is bringing out emotions yeah. and tears also. And it's just something is going through and and it's also just beautiful and yeah and fine i think it's also thanks for saying that um the vulnerability thing it, it for me my weirdness so i'm like super good it's gucci it's gravy if someone else is being vulnerable um adjacent to me i'm fine like i'm like great i'm here mm. <laughs> um <laughs> Hashtag the two people in the K-holes that I just supported. I was like, you have no idea what you're saying to me. I'm here. <laughs> um, but also, I It's think... It's just going to be like a fragmentary glimpse into like the rest of your life for a moment. Like, yeah. And now, on with the show. <laughs> um, I think... I don't self-identify as a person that's particularly vulnerable. I think that's why I feel weird when people are like, thank you. I'm like, what? 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 What are you talking about? Um, so it's a little bit destabilizing because I don't like I'm I don't see the mirror. Um, but at the same time, I think because I'm constantly striving to be more vulnerable, because I'm actively trying to do that, I think that creates space for it to happen. And then I'm like, I don't realize that this is happening. Um, on the other hand, I don't. 
I don't know, like, I don't know any other way to practice than to keep trying. And for me, trying is like, well, I have to make space for this. And I also need to uncouple vulnerability with gender, with race, with class, from white supremacy, um, even like, um, uh, in this other uh, thing that I teach called NCI, um, which is a practice, this like uncoupling things from like programming is something that I try to try to do, and I have techniques for doing that um, that I've also studied. But this idea of like, okay, if we're trying to get to the thing that, that's vulnerability maybe we're not doing a direct line maybe we're going like over here and then it's like oh hey oh hey i'm vulnerable right now um and starting from like okay i just need to make space for this and maybe i'm doing like these are the ingredients i need to have a space where i can be vulnerable and maybe that'll show up instead of like goal-oriented vulnerability um which is okay. Like some people are also really exceptional at that. But for me, I'm kind of like super guarded, um, very emotionally guarded, very slow to trust. So I'm kind of like, well, um, what do I need in order to have that available and just provide those Mm -hmm. for other people? And then usually it's like some things or people have their own things or we can really get into discourse about what those things might be or tools uh, for example, but I also, so in this class, like sharing, sharing anger is also very vulnerable. So I, I'm also trying to move away from this trope of, I mean, this is also not what you said, Kata, so I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like crying is one maybe um, signal of vulnerable or like emotional something, something, mm-hmm. <laughs> But also people cry for a lot of different reasons. You know, they cry because they're sad. They cry because they're happy. They cry because they're angry. Um, But also, like, expressions of anger uh, that are not, like, harmful or resulting in harm is also very vulnerable. And to be able to talk about how you express yourself when you're really seeing red is also really interesting in research. Um, And I do this in this practice of, like, how... This is a practice that's touch-based, so how um, rejecting or resisting something is actually really intimate, and you need to be quite vulnerable in order to do that, Um, the same as other types of things. Um, And we have to sort of open and think about the full spectrum. If we're really going to think about emotions, we have to think about the full spectrum of emotions, and just having access to any of those can be quite vulnerable, um, and then what does the world start to look like if we start to do that, if we like go away from our screens or like sit with each other or don't talk or mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. or do something rigorous together, sweat, I, I, you know, these are yeah, things yeah. that like mm-hmm. we can do, um, moments of j- collective joy also. Is the, the practice, did you name the practice NCI? Mm-hmm. And does it stand for something? Is it short? It stands for not contact improvisation. <laughs> not. Con- 
Sounds good, right? It's great. <laughs> we also do it in heels sometimes. Great, right. not contact improvisation. Yeah, very good. MCI. Because it's I, not. I like, the, I like the kind of hiding term of it. MCI. It's like, what does it stand Practice for? MCI. It's pretty cool. Like a yeah. fake healing for contact improvisation. It is. <laughs> it is. So I wonder. Um, okay, so you have the the teaching in the university and then that is i don't know if this uh, if the practice of nci is connected to that teaching or oh or... no it's outside it's, to- it's totally yeah and oh. then that is this other i don't know if you would call it a teaching context but you um facilitate or lead these workshops in ponderosa uh, in this countryside um art space called color block mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i wonder if that's um if you would think of that in the terms of your teaching context or if that's something completely different for you. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really all the same stuff. It's just different context. I think mm. like how I. Maybe we should like give a, a brief kind of couple of sentences uh, like to contextualize color block. Yeah. Like it's a, it's what a week long, usually kind of a event. It's, it's different every year. Mm. Um, so the length is different every year, but it's a period of time in a, a rural location. It's sort of like a retreat space, art camp vibe um, that centers uh, artists of color working in Europe. And it's for practicing stuff, but it's also for research and rest. A lot of times resilience comes up because we need a lot of it. Mm. Um that's what it is. It has been three weeks. It has been nine days. It has been two weeks. It's been workshops. It's been residency. So there isn't actually a formula there. Um, yeah. Other uh, than the fact that it, that you stick with it. Yes, like, it occurs. It, it, it occurs every year in yeah. the summertime. Although someone was just like, do it in the winter. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I will consider it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. But uh, the framework is really like a a research practice restorative space for artists of color. Mm. Uh, and it, does it feel like teaching? or? Oh, I definitely it? teach yeah. on top of like facilitating and curating and hosting and mm. sometimes cooking, <laughs> marketing, <laughs> yeah. and producing. Yes. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, relationship therapist. Um, <laughs> Crisis witchy, counselor. Witchy, yeah, like, all the things. <laughs> Medic. Um, I yeah. remember once talking about, with you in the past, about uh, color block happening at Ponderosa in the village of Stolzenhagen. And somehow how that's, that's um, an interesting environment to, to do this work in. So Brandenburg in Germany is kind of known for pretty overwhelmingly white people, also often like quite uh, right wing yeah. uh, politics. And this is a small village uh, in the middle of Brandenburg uh, with a lot of elderly white folks. <laughs> yes. And I remember... You telling me about how maybe some people were questioning about so why why not do it somewhere else why not do it somewhere where maybe the safe is some the space is somewhat safer or easier to make it safer mm-hmm. 
and and then yeah you were telling about that yeah that's one thing but then it's also something about just bringing this massive presence of uh, black POC folks to um, be there and present in this pretty uh, particular environment. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of the work. Uh, I think it's something that I grapple with, but I do it anyway. I think uh, having a a strange relationship with this place also... Like, for me, I feel like I'm partially a steward of this place. So I really make sure that people coming understand the context. For sure, like, there's some people that are like, fuck no, it's East Germany, I'm not coming. I'm brown, I'm trans. Like, there's no fucking way. And I'm like, no, but no, but we got you. Um, But I'm also like, I understand. Like, the only way you're going to figure out if you can be here is if you actually are here. And then you figure it out. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. totally okay. Um, I, yes, it's, it's a, it creates a crack, I, I would say. And th- that crack that, that I'm, I'm actually really interested in, uh, that crack and what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't need to be there. Like, you know, I think. That's the nature. I mean, like, I'm not going to go down, like, as an architect, I really could talk about, like, cracks for a really long time, but we don't have all night. But, you know, just creating a tiny crack and time, like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to do more than I'm already doing. And I think it's important to, you know, if we want to use flowery language, like, minoritarian or marginalized, but these, we're talking about cracks. Mm. Um, and most of the people that I roll with have inhabited cracks for most of their life. So we know how to get in there and get out and um, cause some disruptions, maybe. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's been, at this point, going for so long. You know, like the, the mere fact of its existence and your kind of commitment to it is itself kind of becoming remarkable you know it's like what nine years now or something yeah it's it's sliding into the 10th year which is definitely weird because every every year i'm like i'm not gonna do it (laughs) literally every single year i'm like okay i'm done and then someone's like is there gonna be a color block this year and i'm like oh lord someone has i really feel this like call to action i'm like okay well you know okay i'll do it but no one's gonna come and and then it's like the biggest thing and i'm like uh okay i guess we still need to be doing this or even through um the time that we're not going to talk about the past two years. <laughs> the thing that rhymes with schmandemic. Yes. <laughs> That's the shittiest rhyme ever. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, still, still occurred. I'm, I, I'm like, I don't, and it's not like I know these people. It's mostly people that I don't know. Oh, right. Like Just the, new people the gets out. showing up. Yeah. yeah. There's also repeats. There's people that have been four times, five times, six times. And I'm like, wow. But there's people that are like, I've been meaning to go for three years and now I can finally go. Or there's people like, mm. oh, I'm I'm just here. Can I join this thing? Like I'm here working in the garden, but mm-hmm. I'm brown and I'm seeing a bunch of brown people. I'm feeling <laughs> the gravitational pull. <laughs> it's like, yeah, come. Like, of course. Because I, I really believe that, you know, everyone that's there needs to, to be there. Mm. 
it it's also kind of part of what occurs to me about it regarding how long it's been going is that it has now kind of existed through what I suppose might be like different social eras. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> basically when it began, I thought, okay, this is a pretty cool and radical kind of thing that I had not really considered could exist in the East German countryside right. before. <laughs> um, and it has now kind of kept going through this time where like a couple of years ago, there was all of these protests in America and all this kind of stuff. And now it's still existing in this era where there's this kind of weird sort of liberal, performative, anti-racist, corporate presence kind of yes. bullshit anti-racism. Uh, and it's interesting that, you, like, to see how these are like these, you know, storm clouds off off above your head while you just are keeping on chipping away at making this thing happen. Mm. And, and that's the work, I suppose. I mean, it is the work. It's definitely a labor of love. Um, but it, but it's also, like, I guess I'll stop doing it when it doesn't need to be done anymore. Hmm. And the way things are looking right now. <laughs> yeah, a couple of thousand years. <laughs> like, <maybe>. mm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but also just to say, like, Okay, work, 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 and teaching, because um, I, I definitely am, like, often at Color Block, because it's a space where I am reflected back, like, most of the teaching environments are, like, white European institutions, so I don't see myself reflected back, so I use this time to also try out um, different approaches where I can see myself in who I'm testing stuff out. So it's also much safer for me to be like, oh. Um, and I think the fun thing about that is um, I don't have to be busy with, like, a precedent. Like, I just don't. I can, It can be, it will shape itself every year. It shapes itself. Mm. Um, and... Um, and it can kind of be your little laboratory in some ways. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't say laboratory, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's a better word? <laughs> um, yeah, like that just sounds like um, doing some weird science experiments. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, it's it's community. Like I'm, we are like making community there is kinship happening in real time mm. i can see it um there's so many like long-term relationships uh and, and like any kind of relationship that have like stemmed from this place like i just ran into someone at a bar mm. that was like oh uh, maybe went to color block two years ago and was like yo thank you so much that portal that you opened from my anus, it's like opened, like my life has changed. And like now she's like making a lot of work and like really present. And she was just like, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the next portal. <laughs> I was like, yes, the anus and the chest, there are portals. And we, we open them and we close them. But like to be at a bar, like minding my own business, have a person be like, Thank you. Because <laughs> I, I was like, which portal are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but like, that's the sort of 
that's the sort of work that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. low-key open some portals and then let time do its time magic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think those things are related. And again, I don't really know what I'm doing. So, so <laughs> I don't have like a formula. I have a notebook. It's got lots of stuff written down. I always have a four color pen because that's the way I like, I think spatially. So I, what that can maybe look like is when I'm having ideas floating around in my head, it, it's, it's coming as a three dimensional space where I'm looking at the relationship, you know, if we're, because we're in a three-dimensional space, so, you know, there's, like, stuff on the table. There's a pencil and another pencil and paper and phone and glass, glass, mug. <clears throat> That's, like, my mind, and then I'm kind of like, what if I do that? And then something happens, and then I write it down, and then I use four different colors because I'm like, oh, this connection, I mean, it's basically mapping, but I have to use different colors because those relationships are existing in a spatial hierarchy, and when I flatten it out, it's hard to see if I just use one color. Mm-hmm. That's also how I approach mm-hmm. writing. Like I'm spatially, which is, I don't know if I can explain that one, but <laughs> um, if you ever read anything I wrote, maybe you can have that in the back of your mind. There's stuff in German too. If you look <laughs> hard enough. Ooh. <laughs> For sure. I would want to start by reading it in German. <laughs> I wonder if it's possible to get it printed in four different colors. You know? Ooh. I think that was the thing with like, I don't know, Faulkner or one of these kinds of like mid-century white dude but authors why? Who, who wanted to have a novel published in four different colors. But do you know why? I, I, I think it was maybe four different characters or perspectives or something like that. And they said, sorry, the printing technology does not yet exist to, uh, you know, really? make this happen. Well, this was in 1948 or something. Right. So, but Well, I remember but, reading yeah, the never-ending uh, story that was printed in two colors for the... Oh, really? Yeah. It, it was, was? I think it was green and red, maybe, which is a bit... We were talking about that recently, but maybe it's <laughs> not a great funny for the uh, colorblind people. Around. But it yeah. was like one for the well, I vaguely remember the story, but one was for the reality story and one yeah. was for the imaginary story, and it was uh, switching colors. That is cool. Yeah. Well, I think actually it was green and red. <laughs> so maybe for some people it was really just one color. Yeah. Well, now we know about like access needs because it's 2022. But um, I'm going to write that down because I'm writing a book. You're going to bring in colors? And maybe I'll print in different colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's not, like, so expensive. Right. Or maybe I can yeah, start I with a zine. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think printing, tech, printing technology has uh, advanced in the last few decades. Maybe I could start with, like, a zine. Yeah, maybe. I think also my, my graphic designer that I'm working with will be up for this challenge of printing in different colors. Hmm. My students do that shit, and I hate it. I'm like, they write their things in different yeah, colors. Yeah, I'm like, do not do this. It's impossible to read. <laughs> well, it's but maybe the problem is not the different colors, but they have to learn about which colors they choose. Like they readability, do. So I'm gonna I'm contrast. Gonna, I'm gonna learn about that myself. Yeah, very <laughs> um, important. Yeah, like don't print in lavender or yellow. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't do that. Yellow text on white paper. Yeah. Although, no. like the last piece that I did. Um, I printed black on black, but that was me intentionally being a fucker, a fucker. <laughs> like, like, I was like, yeah. 
I'm black and it's dark and you can't see what I'm doing. And also here's this text on black paper printed in black. (laughs) But it was in Dutch and in English. (laughs) Yeah. Accessibility. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have values. I am a little fucker, but I have (laughs) some values. Did you also do um, a voice version of it where you like read the text, but then put some like white noise on top of it? (laughs) No, but I should. (laughs) That's that's another idea. Listen, cut, I'm taking that one for free. <laughs> take it, take it. No, because there is audio in this, uh, in this piece. It's actually um, of me taking a bath. Oh. And I am talking, so I could. I could uh, you can just like keep running the water. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Your own instant white noise machine. I. What's the difference between these different colors of noise? This is just a wild card. Do you know about this? Yeah. White uh-huh. noise. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love how you were like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's usually to do with what kind of uh, uh, input you might have. Like if you're Such running, as? if you're running a, a tap or something like that, mm-hmm. the more let's imagine somehow that you're running 10 taps at once. You're kind of making more input data and filling up more frequencies at once by running more taps. So the noise becomes kind of more purely random mm. the more inputs you add. Uh, and so that is what white noise is. It's just random information played as audio. But then what about um, pink noise? Pink noise is just quiet, white noise. What about brown noise? That's when it's too loud and you... <laughs> <laughs> and there are results. <laughs> What's black noise? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to invent it. I'm going to invent it. Like noise. <laughs> That's yours. So you heard it here first. Yep. I'm inventing okay. it. My note says invent black noise. Just so you know. Okay. That's cool. what I'm writing. <laughs> and then maybe you also make your uh, ticket uh, for the show as a puzzle that people have to put together. Because <laughs> I'm still thinking about that. What you said at the beginning, what kind of a skill does it create yeah to learn to put together puzzle just by touching it's got to do something it's got to do something i mean how how about we try it okay deal i mean just try it yeah i don't know there's got there's going to be a moment where you're not doing anything else at some point it'll probably be the winter mm-hmm yeah, that's when people do puzzle. Earlier when I picked up, picked up some stuff from the street, there was actually some puzzle there. And I was thinking about picking it up and I didn't. I should run back and then start doing it with eyes closed. Oh my God. Maybe it's still there. Maybe you can run out and get mm. it. This is exciting. Um, I've all, I also have this fantasy of, of designing a puzzle. Like if mm-hmm. I were to mm. design a puzzle, what would it do? What would I... Like, what choices would you make? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, okay, it's cute to, like, take a photograph and, like, make a puzzle from the photograph. But I'm also, like, there's infinite possibilities. Mm. Would I do, would it be flat? Would it be, mm. I have I have a 3D puzzle that's, like, the earth, and I haven't done it. Mm. But I also have um, th- these, like, wooden block type of puzzles. Oh, yeah. Those are fucking hard yeah Mm -hmm. um and i don't know how people think 
Like, how do you compete? As in how they ever get them done? And well, no, what thinking uh, they no, use to do? No, how do you invent it? Because like, you have to like, oh, reverse right. it. You have to be like, do you start from the the end? Or do you just say, like, mm, this piece, and then I'm just going to design stuff to fit with this piece? Mm. But isn't it like a labyrinth that when you build it, you know exactly you know what you're doing, but then when you're dropped into the middle of it, you're, you don't see it all? I know, but questions... <laughs> Maybe it is like a labyrinth. But wait, there's something different. There's something different between a labyrinth and a maze. Like a labyrinth has like a meaning, like an existential. Okay. I think. Versus maze. A maze is just kind of like a function. Like the function is to go through it and get to the thing. A labyrinth is like. Your mind is transformed, or you something, something. This might end up being one of those things where it's just because modern English is basically like old English plus old French. There's like (laughs) lots of different words where, or lots of different concepts that have two words related to them. And uh, one has we're we're just stuck at the end of it going, What's the difference between a labyrinth and a maze? (laughs) No, seriously. Um, I really believe that there is a distinction that is something something like this and it could also be this it can it can be more than one thing Mm -hmm. it's you know it's not my job i'm not gonna i'm trying to like (laughs) tell telekinetically move my water bottle so that i can have a drink of water (laughs) curious about that okay hang on a second (laughs) it arrived you got to put some effect so it sounds like... <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave it like that. <laughs> it's fine. Come on. Put some, like... So you were talking before about printing black on black, but also in English and in Dutch. Mm-hmm. Because you live in Amsterdam. I do. But you had to kind of, like, adapt to being in... Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. after having moved around a fair bit, does this count as some kind of a a repatterning in your life? Mm. Um, I'm going to do that thing I did before where I'm going to just say yes and wait for the answer to come. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, of course. Um, So why would it be that? I was going to ask you something like, so how has it been to adapt to being in Amsterdam and being in this European context and everything? But then I remembered that you had told me before that you had already lived in Paris. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, then it yes. doesn't really make sense. Um, the Europe. It turns out it's a thing. It's very different from the United States of America. Mm-hmm. It's even more different from the Northeast. Um, and where I was born. Um, the thing that pops into my head is racism. Like, I wanted to say racism before, but it's very unpopular to just say racism out loud, especially in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I, gave, I gave a talk and I was like, racism! And everyone was like, like you could hear all the anuses and all the little mouths just close. I was like, wow. Um, but we're like, we're talking about like, 
how can we not talk about racism? Um, so that's not a very popular word to say, but I just said it. Um, <clears throat> I think like what that looks and feels like somatically, um, instead of like going down this like intellectualization of like what, like thinking of the intellect and repatterning, but also like repatterning mm-hmm. in the somatic sense is I remember like, walking around and having um having a tension in my body that I was used to having as a black person walking around in Philadelphia where you can get shot anytime and then being in the Netherlands and being like oh like I actually don't need this like I don't need to carry myself in this like state of alertness um, which manifests attention. I was like, I actually don't need this. There's like no guns. Mm. There's no guns. And the racism flavor is totally different. Um, because people, some people, um, cause I don't want to generalize. I've had encounters with Dutch people in the Netherlands, um, where they're, they're more busy with being perceived as kind and very tolerant and there's no sexism and there's certainly no racism and there's no ableism and they're still running around in blackface. So, mm. oh, of course, of course. So they're, they don't want to be perceived as racist, um, but it's not so thinly veiled. So while I don't need to, while I won't get um, policed when I go into a fancy store, because if I get police, that makes visible a difference between me and the Dutch people, which that if it, if we can see it, then it exists. If you can't see it, then it doesn't exist. So, yeah, I don't I don't I can go into any store and like not be like, oh, the security guard is like eyeballing me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I can have an experience where people constantly ask me where I'm from, like all the time. And where I come from, that's like, you don't do that. That's not a thing that you, you do because it, you're where you are. So who cares? <laughs> like, um, and the, and the language in this Dutch around being is totally, is totally like this idea that either you're from this land or you're not. From, those are the two choices. I mean, like, y'all probably know how I feel about binaries. Fuck them. So it's like the idea that there's like you're either from the land or not from the land and there's nothing else um, where it's actually just a code for being black or white or being white or not white, um, where there's plenty of people that are from the same land. And then it's like, do you even know? Like, can Mm. we talk about the colonial? It turns out, no, we cannot talk about the Dutch colonial history (laughs) um, anywhere from from many, many places that the Dutch were definitely actively involved in. We don't speak about those things. But being from the U.S., I'm like, oh, we we talk about that shit. Like, mm-hmm. we talk about the transatlantic slave trade and reparations and slavery and the many waves of immigrants. We talk, we, we're not perfect. I'm not saying perfection, but like, at least we have a language around that and how that shapes our identity, how that shapes my identity as a black person. I can talk about it. I have met people that don't talk about that and that has definitely caused me to shift. And I think that that shift is like part of me adapting. And I think that's also something I'm still learning and why I try to bring in the spaces when I'm teaching where I'm like, 
okay, like, if there's a room full of seven people and they're from seven different countries, I can't just drop universal term. I need to be like, here's this term. How do we relate to it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to someone from a low class from Croatia that'll have the same experience as um, someone living in a ghetto in the U.S. I need to be able to talk about that. I can leave something like race out and then get to race later mm-hmm. um, so that we can practice empathy so that people don't get defensive. Or um, And that started with myself. <laughs> like, it definitely started with myself. I was like, okay, like, I just need to be like, tilt my head a little bit to get like a different perspective. Um, and that started by definitely talking to different people that were not American about their experiences being in the Netherlands mm. as a person of color, as, you know, uh, bicultural people that know the colonial history that, that, and then people that are sort of, yeah, white Dutch people that, that will have the difficult conversations. I talk to those people too. And then I'm kind of like, this is bananas. And then I carry on doing what I'm doing, but I have a little more um, understanding of where I am. And I definitely, yeah, I think that has led to some interesting things, like how I curate things and how I think about education and why it's important to like move away from the canon of five cis white dudes in any discipline. Like just pick a discipline, like get rid, just try and choose someone else. (laughs) Um, uh, what that can look like, uh, what kind of criticality is needed for those spaces how much work it is, what work is mine, and what is actually, yeah, like my therapist likes to remind me that not everything is my mm. job. <laughs> like I was like, let's talk about compassion. And I was like, I'm trying to be more compassionate. And she was like, it's compassionate to say to someone when you're ready. That's compassion. I was like, oh, my God, okay. Like, you know, everything else beyond that is you doing more work. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So I'm thinking about that. Um, My therapist is amazing also. (laughs) And uh, I am practicing compassion, among other things. But that's like a whole other... (laughs) This might have to be a (laughs) two-parter. That's chapter two. (laughs) After the break, we're back on about compassion. Okay, maybe I talk about one more thing. And then I'm done. (laughs) Or to be continued. Um, So I'm reading these books. One is um, on connection. I Just read it. Just find it immediately and read it. Uh, anyone listening, find the PDF or buy the book. It's really tiny. I think the author's name is Kay Tempest. Um, we'll, we'll figure that out and put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, just put it in the... <laughs> just slip it in there. Um, but I really want you both to read it because um, I think it's related to why you're doing the work you're doing now with this program. But also... Um, has, is taking me on sort of a, because tw- it's about uh, just like creativity and connection 
or like maybe why we do some stuff um, or stuff that we do. It's super interesting, but I'm also reading a book or I have read a book around um, Crip Kinship. So I started reading most of the stuff I do also like how I get to where I'm going is based on a personal need. Like I start from a very personal place first and then I'm like, maybe someone else needs this. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the things that I've mentioned have all that's like the inception moment. I'm like, I need this. And then I'm like, can I make space for this to exist because I need it? And then Mm. I see so I was reading Crip Kinship because I was like, oh, you know, like, <clears throat> I need to make friends with the fact that not just being an aging body, but also a body that has, that is living with a disability that's degenerative. Um, and that's fine. And now it's like, oh, there's, it just happens to be a nice wave, like Black Lives Matter or Me Too, We Too, They Too, whatever kind of two we're in. But but also like disability justice and disability rights is is having where wherever we are now it's like having an uptick mm. so there's lots of books um there's currency um if i talk about like where we are now which is berlin looking at the program for tantum august there's a lot of information around access like how you get to the space what's the entrance wheelchair no elevator no yes mm-hmm. no um uh, audio descriptions it's great i'm like great finally great um so I was reading this book and I was thinking about basically, you know, the thing that we are all working against is like white, cis, het, capitalistic, meow, meow, meow. Um, we know about that. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed is my internalized ableism about myself. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Well, if I have internalized ableism, that's not so far away from externalized ableism. So I need to work on that, accepting the parts of myself that are disabled and that's fine. And then share that because then that creates space for other people to be like, oh, um, I have that or I need to make space for that. Um, And we're all just temporarily abled anyway, because we're all aging. Um, Whereas my mom used to say, if you're not old, you're dead. So, so, which is morbid, but also true. Um, so I was thinking about how I got into um, dancing around in heels and pole dancing <laughs> as a way to confront my internalized ableist self regarding my disability um, is to start doing... Um, what I'm, what I'm like loosely calling crip pull because it's really good for me to move. It's also really difficult to move in heels. Um, um, so like props to anyone that like on, in a, on a daily basis just wears heels and anyone who hasn't try them on and, and then express gratitude for people that wear heels all the time. Um, so I've been doing this. I've just been dicking around being like, right like okay i know my osteopath like i need to like have a certain mobility like this is really healing for me um but also can i be doing something healing and transformative um to address this internalized ableism um and like have fun and be sexy at the same time turns out 
I can. And that's a really good medicine. <laughs> it's really fantastic um, to be like, uh, like someone came up to me and was like, this is something you should not say. Um, I'm concerned when you, I'm concerned about your, your hips when you like put on heels, like I'm really concerned about you. Like, don't say that. I know what my body is capable of. Also, it's none of your business. <laughs> um, uh, and I wouldn't be doing it if it was not available. My, my, my interest is how do I, with this body work in this form? And it's fascinating to just see, I mean, like, you know, like as a mover, it's like, it's just fascinating to see what's available. And my body is really different every day. Mm. And I have lots of different types of heels to accommodate those different <laughs> bodies. And it's really fun. And um, I think it's like super healing. And I'm actually not interested in pole dancing. <laughs> like I am interested in pole dancing. Like I'm total fangirl for pole dancing. Like anytime. Everyone should have a pole in their house. Um, I'm I'm using it to train for the heels practice in NCI. So I'm, t- I'm extracting elements of pole technique and putting it into not contact improvisation because I really want to have a moment, a public moment where there's a bunch of people in heels doing contact improvisation. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see that. <laughs> yeah. If you're ever in the Netherlands, which I know that you will be and you have a pair of heels, You can come to the studio and we can practice. Okay. <laughs> Pretty fun. If anything from like a little kitten heel to a full stiletto. Um, that's the invitation. It's great. It's great. And I'm also like skill sharing, like one of the moments at Color Block. I don't know if you remember, but there's a pole. There's that a pole is there. a pole in there. That is yeah. part of my legacy. Um, it's not a real pole. It's definitely rustic. <laughs> Um, and I definitely took it from somewhere that I won't say. But um, this, one of these communal moments, I mean, I think it's like food. Like, how, what what is the role of food in, like, having difficult conversations or gathering or kinship or radical acts of anything? Um, that there's something about, like, gathering around and music you know and now there's a pole so so it's like i don't ever say anything i'm not like get on the pole that's not my vibe you know i'm more of a stage manager type person so i'm just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna just some construct some vibes i'm just gonna like turn those lights off and like turn that disco ball on and put this red gel on and maybe and then like play these tunes and then maybe someone will just feel compelled to get on the pole but this time it was like a skill share so people are like oh any gender any size any shape people just coming up and being like oh this technique so i've been working on knee swirlies because it's really one it really um releases like the fascia and the complex tendons in this joint Um, it also looks really cute in a pair of heels. It's a very basic movement and it's sh it just always looks good. So I wish we could include a little <laughs> video clip you presenting this move. 
Um, Link to your tutorial. <laughs> well, listen, I, I would definitely say, direct you to the source because I'm practicing these whirlies. And you can do both knees or one knee. Um, but I think, like, this is helping me, like, practice self-love in a way that I think is really important to the point is um in a meandering way to like practices of self-love to deal with like internalized isms Hmm. that's my that's my Mm. my jam right now that's a good one to take away you're welcome That was our talk with Joy Mariama Smith. In case you're curious to get more details about the things we were talking about, we have a list of links on the website at repatterning.xyz. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye bye.